Welcome to our second podcast on our Nodi Only Mind Report with the title ESG Reaping the Rewards. I am Johan Tropea and I have with me my partner in crime, Victor Solebeck. We are the thematics research team at Nodia. And in our last podcast on this particular ESG themed Nodia on Your Mind Report, we discussed how and also why ESG as a concept has really soared to the very top of corporate agendas and also how having high ESG rating scores very very clearly according to our analysis seems to drive major financial outperformance so it really really pays off in terms of corporate value creation to be good at ESG. But this time we are going to take a somewhat different angle looking at this very, very interesting topic. Uh, we are joined by our colleague Anais Gilbert, who is based at Nordea in Oslo in Norway, to look a little bit more closely at ESG ratings, uh, where I know Anais, you have done a lot of work. Very, very happy to have you with us today. So welcome to the conversation. And I think we, we have a bit of a tradition that when we have guests in our uh, Nodi On Your Mind podcast talks, we always want to ask a little bit about you. Obviously, if you want to introduce yourself, what you do at Nodea, but also to tell us some fun fact about you, something that's unusual or unexpected. Okay, some fun facts in plural. <laughs> I may have maybe one. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to, to find a good one. Uh, but thank you very much for the invitation. True honor to be here, and I'm very happy to be discussing ESG ratings with you today. So my name is... Is Anais Gilbert, uh, and as you said, I'm based in Oslo. I've been working with uh, Nordea for almost two years now uh, in group internal audits, so in the data analytics team there. And during my master degree, I had done some introduction courses to sustainability and talking about about ESG there. So I had always been sort of interested uh, in that topic. And when I came to Nordea, I sort of lost that uh, when I when I entered the position of internal auditor. So I actually seeked for the opportunity to do a rotation uh, in ESG to sort of see how it applies to the banking sector in general and how does Nordea deal uh, deal with ESG in more generally. So I contacted Group Sustainable Finance and eventually, and luckily, uh, Jacob Michelson, who's heading uh, the Sustainable Finance Advisory Team, uh, contacted me uh, because he had like this very interesting opportunity in terms of rotation in his team. And this is how I got to do uh, a very exciting four months uh, as a rotation in ESG in Nordea. It's good with rotations. Uh, widen your perspectives a bit and also getting your knowledge to put to very, very good use in the work that you've done. But um, before we move on and dive into these ratings, uh, we're not going to let you get away from sharing some fun <laughs> fact about you. So um, come on. Um, fun. I don't know if it's fun. Um, Strange then. Strange, not that strange too. No, it's just that my spare time, basically, so outside of work, I almost like grant 100% of my spare time to music because I'm a huge music passionate. So I really love producing music. So I produce either my own music or like do some covers of other artists and so on. Uh, but yeah, basically been producing my own music for almost a year now. So hoping to get the songs out soon. I guess that's the fun fact about me. And that, I love that's... good food. That's more than fun enough, Anais. It's fun in a good way. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm happy. If we get into the topic of ESG ratings, uh, and I think it might be, I mean, this, this is a, a pretty new field. It's very rapidly evolving. We certainly found when we did our Nodi on your mind report 
that it's also quite complex. Uh, a lot has happened, a lot continues to happen. So in order to be able to understand this a bit, what's happening, maybe we should start with, with this very sort of high-level view, a big-picture view. And if we look at the big picture for ESG services and ESG ratings, how would you describe who the major stakeholders are in this market? Who, who provide them and, 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 and who uses them? Well, for the part of who uses them, we, have, we sort of have two classes. So we have the investors on one side and the corporates on the other. I would say the primary users at the time when ESG ratings were created were the investors. They were sort of looking for an indicator about a company's performance uh, of its ESG issues or its ESG risks. Uh, and so they basically set up, like the providers on the market set up this product for the investors to sort of have this sort of very tangible information about how a company performs in this field. Um, and later on, so the users have become also the companies who actually found that ESG ratings were very useful for them because it attracts, it helps them attract investors. So the companies now are also using uh, those ESG ratings in the way that they, like, if not if they have not been rated already by some uh, providers, uh, they would actually ask for it. So we'd say, we can say that they're also users of those ratings. Um, and as for who provides them, it's been sort of expanding for the last uh, couple of years very quickly. So we see more and more stakeholders coming into the market and trying to provide some ESG uh, product and services. But we, we kind of see four different categories of stakeholders on the market. The first one being um, what we can call the full ESG service providers. So that is like the famous name uh, that we hear could be ISS, VE, Sustain Analytics, etc. Because they basically have a diversified set of products and services that are exclusively related to ESG. Then we have a second category, which are the ESG research rating and index providers. So those are sort of a sort of a step up, if I can say. They're sort of bigger bigger stakeholders who own most of the time actually some of the rating providers. And those are um, stakeholders who will provide in-depth research ratings, but also build indexes when it comes to ESG in particular. So there are very, very big stakeholders on the market because they sort of set up their own indexes and investors are really attracted by indexes and they really, really are attracted by those specific stakeholders. Um, the third one is the ESG data and analysis providers. So those are very specialized, well, as the name says, in the, in the actual ESG data. So core data, trying to gather the data, provide some analysis on this data. Um, the most famous example we have is Bloomberg, for example, is one of them. But also CDP, the Carbon Disclosure Project. They provide very insightful data information about carbon uh, in this specific case. Uh, you also have other providers like like beyond ratings, etc. So you have very, very specialized stakeholders in core data and analysis that are on this market. And actually, we've seen that most of the time, the specific data providers have been acquired by the bigger, uh, for example, MSCI, Morningstar, etc., because they sort of want to integrate those data capabilities into their whole portfolio. Um, and the last category are the credit rating agencies, actually. So they came a bit later on the market, but now they're here, definitely. So for example, Moody's, Fitch, SNP, uh, they started to integrate ESG into their portfolio as well. So to provide a service regarding this, or also actually to integrate ESG into their own assessment, their big rating assessment. So I would say those are like the main 
main like players on the market for ESG, and you see there are very very many. But we we sort of see consolidation around those four groups. Uh, and as you you mentioned both investors and and the corporates being the the users of ESG ratings, and I, and I guess for corporates, one aspect could be could be a, a benchmarking one, being able to benchmark yourself against peers and being able to compare yourself. Uh, is that the case? And 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 do you know? that that is one aspect in which in which uh, corpus are using ESG ratings. Yeah, that's definitely one of the, the main reasons. They want to sort of benchmark themselves from their peers, uh, usually within their industry. Some are actually looking beyond that, like they want to locate themselves like across industries. So th- this is the case where they would actually go and want an ESG ratings if they have not been rated. That's one of the main reasons. And I think, but I think, yeah, the core reason is basically for them to attract investors to get financing, uh, to get finance, sorry, right. by them. So they, they try to show ESG ratings is sort of a good indicator for investors to know how this company is performing uh, at the given moments, right? So for companies, it's a great it's a great selling speech, right? If I can say, because if they have a good ESG ratings, that's actually very reassuring investors for uh, for the future because we're talking about sustainability as a whole, right? So if a company is performing well in ESG, it has greater chances to be performing well in the future against its peers. So I guess that's why they look after that and they're looking basically for that in order to, to, to be better than their peers. So in essence, it sounds like ESG ratings in, in themselves have a lot of different uses and they are used to, to a great benefit by very many different actors in the market, whether it be investors or corporates, etc. So so that, uh, I think, naturally begs the question then, who who pays for the ESG ratings? Good question. Uh, I guess it depends on who asks for it. Um, so as I said in the very beginning, you had the investors uh who were like using the ESG ratings so at the time i mean naturally investors were actually going to see the providers and were paying for accessing the ESG ratings that those providers had for a specific company and if that provider had not already a rating on a specific company or issuer then the investor would pay to get a rating about this company or this issuer so that's how it works usually but recently we've seen that the business models of the providers the ESG ratings providers on the market are sort of evolved uh, and now some of them are actually offering what we call solicited ratings. So it's aimed at the companies themselves, at the issuers themselves. If they have not been rated already, just in that case, they can actually go and go to some of the providers and ask for a rating. So they want to go, for example, to Systematics and say, hey, we would like to get a rating from you because we don't have one. Uh, and also because they would like to use, as we said, like, they use it for investor presentation materials to attract them. So in that case, the corporates have to pay for the rating. But we need to be mindful about the fact that not all the providers are actually offering such products, the solicited ratings. So for example, MSCI has chosen that they would not integrate solicited ratings in their business model because they sort of want to keep uh, independence and just be on one side of the table, which is basically to serve the investors uh, and not offering the possibility to companies to actually ask for a rating for themselves. It's really interesting to hear this, Anais, about the evolution in the market and, and also how there are some similarities to credit ratings. We wrote um, the Only Mind report about credit ratings a couple of years ago, where we also did a big analysis of the financial benefits of having one. Uh, and we also took the opportunity to to really try and understand the process of, of uh, how a credit rating works. 
And, and from that point of view, it's really interesting to try and compare here. So I, I obviously have to ask you, how, how does an ESG rating actually work? How, how do you rate the company for ESG, which is something pretty big and not necessarily so easy to define? Exactly. It's not easy to define. Um, ESG rating is, is used by so many different stakeholders that it became sort of an ambiguous concept because stakeholders have different definition of what ESG rating should be. So as a starting point, that creates some like very low correlations between the different ESG ratings that we see on the market. For example, if you take a sample of companies or issuers that have been rated by different providers, you would hardly see a correlation between the results of those ratings because of the actual methodology. But if we can sum up basically what the methodology uh, is about, overall, they use the same approach, which is based on three different steps. The first one being the materiality assessments, which is, I think, to my to my mind, actually the most important step, because this is the moment where the providers look at the company or at insurer and they decide, OK, what is going to be deemed as material as regards to ESG in our perspective? So they would look at the whole um, sort of risk space of a specific issuer and they would select a few of the different issues that the issuer is facing when it comes to ESG and decide on which one are the most important for that for that specific issuer in terms of exposure to it. So the bigger the risk regards as regards to ESG, sorry, then the most material would that issue be in the mind of the of the provider. So they would select this basic set of issues that are deemed as material. And then the second part is to actually, okay, we look at this issue, it generated this level of exposure uh, for that specific company. Now we're going to look at how it manages this risk. Um, and this is the second part, which is called the management score. So they would actually evaluate a company's performance in managing the risk they're exposed to for that particular issue. Uh, and that actually gives this sort of score and all the individual scores for all the issues that have been selected are aggregated. And that gives uh, usually the final ESG ratings. So that's the last part. Once they have performed this big assessment of the company and granting all of those different scores and aggregating into an overall ESG score, this is the moment where they engage with the company. So it's usually around two or three weeks of what they call a feedback period where they actually send the, the results to the company and they ask for feedback from the company. Usually the feedback is about uh, the data accuracy or completeness. So basically, has the provider considered the right data? Uh, was that data correct? Because we've seen that most of the case, actually, sometimes it's not. So it can be very critical as regards to the actual rating. So it's normal to engage with the company. So that company has the chance to express that some data might not be the correct ones uh, or some data are missing that they actually had disclosed about. So, yeah, that's the last step of the of this overall assessment. And you mentioned, Anais, that, that there's typically quite quite low correlation uh, between ESG ratings from different providers. And, and, and from your from your description right now, it just it sounds to me like th there's a lot of room for this to happen, yes. right? Because very many things can possibly differ between different rating providers. Um, so, so I wanted to ask you, what are or why are these differences arising? And, and what would you say are the main ones? Um... I think you can have a sort of like divergence in the methodology at every single step that I just mentioned. Um, the first one being the materiality assessment. What is considered as material is not necessarily aligned among the different providers. 
So they have different approaches to that. Some providers will assess materiality as regards to the industry of the company. So basically, what is material for that specific industry? Um, and some others will look at the actual share, like stakeholders of the company. So what is material for those stakeholders? What is the most risk as regards to the stakeholders' uh, value, sort of? So from this starting point, for the mom from the moment they actually select those different issues that they're going to assess as part of the, of, the, of the evaluation, they don't necessarily agree and they will not select uh, the same ones. So you see that from the very beginning, companies can be rated in completely different topics. But at the end of the day, we have those ratings. So we're like, we think as an individual that like, those ratings are comparable. But if you look into the methodology and what they have actually evaluated, they're, they're completely different. They're uncomparable. Um, and then when they have selected them, they can also like grant the issues different weights uh, of like in order to of importance as regards to the company. So, of course, some some providers might consider that this specific issue is way more important than this other. And some other providers will say, no, that's the other way around. So, again, like the final ESG ratings is completely based on a very subjective evaluation by the different providers. And there's a very very low uh, alignment when it comes to that. So they could basically have completely different starting points and then completely different measure of the actual uh, issue within the overall score of the ESG ratings. And also we have, uh, I would say also in the analysis of the data, you have also different approaches because some providers are heavily relying on their analyst. So basically meaning that a person would actually look individually and manually to every single issue and would assess it uh, by him or herself. Uh, well, you have other providers that have developed some models or actually are using artificial intelligence to sort of predict some data and try to to yeah to be more forward looking but in that case they use very heavy like mathematical algorithm etc um so you see there that even the analysis in itself is very different so even if they have the same issue the same weight the outcome could be also different at that moment so that's why at the end of the day yeah we have very few correlation between the different rating providers we we talk to corporates pretty much every day Anais, and 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 from the corporate's perspective I have a lot of sympathy for this possibly being pretty confusing, right? Because they're used to credit ratings. They know that really well, whether they have one or not for their company. And here they see a new landscape where there are ratings, but where it's actually not at all the same thing as a credit rating. And, and, and theoretically, you could see a company getting an ESG rating from two different providers and, and, and one saying that it's terrible and the other one saying that it's a superstar. So one, one question that we got, for example, as recently as yesterday, talking to, to a CFO, was, okay, so if we look at ESG ratings, how should we think about that? If we want to consider approaching a rating provider to see if we can get an ESG rating, should we choose to approach a certain provider? Because we can see that, ah, with their methodology, we're probably going to look great. And, and then it would be nice for us to have a rating where we come out really, really well. Is, is there a big impact from the choice of provider in, in, in what a company is going to look like? looking at the ESG rating score. Yeah, I think definitely. I think it, it is a good approach to actually look at the methodology of the different providers in order to choose. Because I think the starting point for a company considering uh, getting an ESG ratings is first to choose whether the ESG ratings would be re relevant for them and then what they would actually use the ESG rating for. Uh, that's the big starting point. And then you actually look at the different providers on the market and you want to see, okay, will that specific provider provide like the need that I have when it comes to my use of ESG rating. 
Um, for example, I'm thinking ISS. Uh, let's take an example of ISS, who's a rating provider. Um, they're probably the only one on the market who ex very clearly in the methodology have a specific time dedicated to the alignment of companies as regards to the SDGs SDG goals, sorry. So they actually rate them. So a company that believes that they have a great alignment with those and that they would actually score very high in those have a better interest in selecting ISS because that would actually reflect in the score and that score could be enhanced uh, as regards to this specifically, while other providers might not consider that. So maybe their score would be lower. So that's definitely something to, to analyze. Also, if you want to, for example, have a heavy comparison within your industry or like within the whole space, so among different industries, you have some providers who have a very heavy methodology based on being able to compare the score between different industries by creating some starting points in terms of exposure, etc. per industry. So if you want to show that your company is in an industry that is doing better overall in ESG and then you want to have a higher score, then you would probably prefer to look into those specific providers. So of course, it really, really depends on, on what you want to use the ESG rating score for. But we must not also forget on the other side of the table, because at the end of the day, the corporates, they want to have, like, they want to get financed by the investors. So first of all, maybe the first question to ask is, what do my investors actually prefer? What, which rating do they look at? Um, because that would actually probably define which rating providers you want to go for. And which, which ratings do the investors look at, you think? So we've conducted a small survey, actually, uh, in the beginning of this year, where we actually asked the different investors. And we were quite surprised, but not that surprised, actually, to see that most of the, like, the four biggest rating providers, which are MSCI, Systematics, ISSCSG, and VE, uh, the investors tend to look more to MSCI, but it's still slightly more popular, if I can say, than the other ones. Because at the end of the day, I think if you look overall, it's pretty much the same. Mm. And I think it will also change a lot because they all try to benchmark themselves from others. And I think there's going to be a bit more and more awareness about all those different rating providers. So we, we might see an evolution in that. And MSCI might not be the leader uh, for so long, I think, in my mind. It sounds like uh, th there's a lot of, uh, as you described, it, variability between different rating providers, between the models. And of course, I, I guess it might be natural, given the, the fact that it, th this is quite a new area, at least if we compare, you know, go back and compare it with credit ratings, for example. Uh, and, and in that sense, uh, I guess things are developing, things are changing in the market, uh, and we have seen uh, quite heavy consolidation uh, within the ESG rating sphere. Um, would you shed some light on, on, on why this is? Uh, what are the driving forces and what are, what are the rating agencies trying to accomplish? I think, as I mentioned in the very beginning, you have so different stakeholders and that sort of like consolidate around those four different groups. Um, and we've seen that it's sort of a game for the past few years because we see the different stakeholders trying to acquire the other ones. And I think the main reason for that, if we take the rating uh, agencies, is that they basically try to threaten uh, their portfolio and their competencies and abilities in assessing ESG, since they, basic, they, they know that ESG is going to be a very hot topic even for them. So it's coming to them. So they want to be ready for that. And they want to strengthen their capabilities in analyzing the data uh, in, in integrating ESG into their whole uh, product and services offering. So that's why I think rating agencies are actually acquiring 
the major stakeholders that they think are relevant for them. And this is why you see that it's sort of consolidating because there, you have a very, very few big groups that are owning actually a couple of those stakeholders on the market. And uh, same for not only the rating agencies, but overall all the other stakeholders, they try to sort of acquire each other in order to gain some data capabilities, some, some data knowledge. So um, I think this is why those are like the two big cases why we have a heavy consolidation in the market. I think it's strengthening your your products and services offering, expanding your capabilities, but also gaining a bit more uh, strength into the actual data analysis of the CSG data. You've mentioned why it would be obviously interesting for corporates to have an ESG rating. Uh, it, it can be very, very useful for them. Um, and, and one approach, if you're a corporate, is to consider getting a solicited rating, that you approach a provider and, and you ask if you can actually pay to obtain a rating, of course. But apart from that, are there any other factors that come into play in which corporates get an ESG rating from the various providers and, and which don't? Is, is, is there anything a corporate can do or, or is there anything corporates just should be aware of that these are the sort of companies that would tend to get an ESG rating? Yeah, so first of all, the rating providers, they heavily rely on, on some indexes. So they would actually select a standardized set uh, of company uh, companies they want to rate so you have probably the biggest companies so I would say the companies with the highest the greatest sorry market capitalization who would by default be rating by by those different providers um, so I guess market capitalization has a great thing to do in all of this um, and also the size of the company but I would say also you have another factor that is quite important and I think that is getting more and more important is actually your disclosure uh, capabilities I think that the more you disclose about your different ESG um, programs or ESG measures that you put in place, your CSR, etc., or anything related to ESG for Fireclose, you would probably attract uh, some investors. And then those investors will go and ask for an ESG rating for you. So I think that's also a way to see things. You have to sort of plea to, to be, sorry, a bit... Um, like smart about how you disclose about your the way you're handling and you're performing in ESG because that could play in your favor as more and more investors might ask for the rating for you. Uh, so that's sort of actually a case that we had for MSCI because since MSCI is not providing uh, solicited ratings, so companies cannot go up to MSCI, the solution there for a company that has not been rated by MSCI but who would like to get rated by MSCI is to sort of find a way to have investors interested in that company so by disclosing a bit more about their ESG performance etc in the hope that this investor would actually ask MSCI for the rating so this is how I see things. So it sounds like uh, there are a few different ways of going about obtaining an ESG rating depending on the provider uh, and I guess one of the ways that you, you, you just described uh, it, it sounds like it also requires quite a bit of effort from the company itself with regards to to collecting data internally, uh, you know, cleaning it, formatting it, being able to use it and being able to present it to, to uh, ESG rating providers. Uh, and I guess for some companies, ESG rating providers asking them perhaps uh, questions regarding their work uh, within sustainability. So on that note, and given the, the, the probable 
costs in terms of, of time or, or direct costs of, of, of obtaining a rating, should corporates engage with providers? If, if I catch that one, Victor, I think there is, again, a similarity to credit ratings, right? Because we, we know that not only is there a cost for a corporate to get a solicited credit rating, but there is also an effort required on their part in, in terms of disclosure, in terms of spending time with the, the credit rating agencies, explaining their financial metrics and their strategy and their finance policies, etc. And, and this will be very, very similar, I guess, on, on, on the ESG rating side in, in, in that you need to decide what data to report, how to report that, and also to, of course, as Anais described, engage with the providers uh, one or more. And, and I think the quick and easy answer generally for a corporate is that you should absolutely engage with ESG rating providers because I think, Anais, you have described extremely clearly that this is a very hot topic. It's not going to go away anytime soon. And, and, and in our own analysis, in our Nodi Only Mind report, we could also see very, very clearly the financial benefits that you seem to be rewarded with if, if, if you score strongly for, for ESG. So if, if you do engage, there would be effort, but it would also prepare you for those ESG conversations that are going to come. Uh, it, it's, it, it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's, it's a matter of when. And, and, and there... As, as you described, Anais, about being smart, it, it's also the same here, right? As a company, you just need to have to think about how to make the ESG data you choose to present, which have thought about what you should actually present, as easily available as possible, both by algorithms and, and, and by humans, um, and, and to index it, to make it easily searchable on Google. Um, and and uh, there will be a lot to gain uh, from you showing up in various screenings and, 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 and attracting interest and being able to highlight what you are doing and hopefully what you're achieving in, in, in the uh, ESG arena. And on top of being able to to show this data to, to uh, investors, to the marketplace, to other stakeholders and to ESG providers, uh, of course, there's a, there, there's a factor here that uh, you, you learn more about yourself, right? You have better control over your data, you have better information about your specific ESG metrics and with that even if you 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 publish it externally or, or even if you don't obviously you will yourself gain a lot of insights and a better understanding of your business in this and we, we've talked quite a bit about the kind of difference in in, in how ESG rating providers assess the ESG rating with, with variability in in uh, ESG ratings and, and from a survey where investors have been asked about what could be the, the, the major concerns with ESG ratings or, or the major obstacles going forward. One of the key things that they bring up is this, this uh, variability, this divergency between ESG rating providers with this, this low correlation in ratings that you mentioned on ACE. And looking forward a bit and, and, and trying to, to, to see into the future, do, do you think this will harmonize going forward? Will, will rating providers become more similar uh, so, so that there's a higher correlation between the ratings? Or, or how do you think that will develop? Um, I would say that at least it's the will uh, of the regulators on that market. Uh, because so due to this very low correlation between the ratings, it's hard for one to have a concrete ID. Uh, and that's one of the main concerns. To have a concrete and objective ID about what how this company is performing in ESG. And so there are several risks there. Uh, some mention greenwashing, et cetera, because you might sort of like have false information and, and like provide false information to your investors on the market, et cetera. And we've seen that there are some of the regulators, so for example, ESMA, the European Securities and Market Authority, 
um, that have the recognized that there is a lack of regulation when it comes to ESG ratings. And that could create those different risks that I mentioned. So they want to sort of like solicit the EU Commission so we can have a harmonization uh, within this space of ESG ratings. Uh, so that's definitely, I think, something that might happen in the next few months or few years. Uh, the regulatory space for ESG rating is constantly changing and it has been for the past two years. We've seen so many new regulations. So I believe we, we will have more, uh, but at least the will of the ESMA is to harmonize ESG ratings by starting by, first of all, what, it, what is an ESG rating? As I was saying, it's very hard to define uh, this concept. So they want to start there and try to have a common definition on what ESG ratings are. And then they want to set up some requirements about what ESG rating products should be in, in its nature. Um, but also it's very hard to implement because you need to, to consider sort of the markets in itself, which has so different stakeholders, big, small companies, etc. So you need to find a product that will align and, and be sort of like benefiting to all of those different providers on the market and all of those different stakeholders that we see there. So it will definitely like harmonize. But in how long, I do not know, because that might take some time. Seeing how many products have been developed with sort of a name, ESG ratings or ESG assessment. So now you need to change all of that to have a common vision. And that might be a very heavy, heavy work. So, so trying to harmonize it and, and trying to make it a bit more standardized in a way, a bit more comparable. And I guess for, for many, a, a bit easier to understand, uh, because due to the fact that the landscape looks uh, looks uh, like it does i mean that's why we're doing this podcast right <laughs> trying to make sense of how how it all works and and of course given time and, and given a bit more more uh, more harmonization i guess it would make it easier uh, for for companies and for investors to to understand what uh, what's really going on yeah absolutely and we actually by talking with some investors uh, during my rotation in this team I've actually noticed that even investors, they really disagree among each other, between each other. Uh, they really have their own perception of what an ESG rating should be. And so they would actually have a huge preference for this rating provider, have a strong negative opinion about these rating providers. But overall, I think also what we need to note down is that investors do not look only at ESG ratings when they look at ESG performance of a company. ESG ratings for them is just one component of their overall evaluation when they look at an issuer or a company. So usually they have built their own like big evaluation and they integrate, they fetch the data that they have, uh, which is basically the database for ESG ratings for specific providers into their own models to sort of evaluate whether a company to their, to their mind is actually performing well in ESG. So I think it would ease the life of everyone if ESG rating were harmonized because then everyone would be sort of rating on the same basis and we would have a very nice like overview and being able to compare all the different uh, issuers clearly. Now that's a real shocker. Us finance professionals having strong views. Who <laughs> ever heard of that before, right? But it's 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 part of the life we live at work, and 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 uh, I think that this conversation has certainly helped me understand ESG ratings a lot better than I did before. Um, and and the good news is, of course, for all corporates out there who have uh, reflections and considerations in this area that the team that you rotated in on a sustainable finance advisory uh, run by Jacob Michelson is available to help our clients and guide this playing field, uh, understand it and, and, and make the, the, the right choices with what we know and what we can see from today's uh, viewpoint at least. 
it's actually time to wrap up. Uh, this has been a very, very enjoyable talk. Thank you very much, Victor and Anais, for joining me uh, in this talk today. Um, and uh, I will just end off by flagging that we are taking a little bit of a break for thematics and the Nudioni Mind Report over the summer period, but we will be back, as Arnold Schwarzenegger usually puts it in the Terminator movies. Um, and our next Nudioni Mind will be uh, out at the end of August, uh, and that's going to be about cryptocurrencies. So something for all of you to look forward to. Be sure to tune in then. And until then, uh, just wish you all a happy summer from us in the Mathematics, and thank you very much for listening.